0: As we move into the season of Epiphany and the Christ child becomes the living, teaching, adult, talking, and traveling Christ, we shift into stories of his calling disciples and followers and people he meets and heals and helps. We also take time with the stories of calls to his ancestors in the faith and those that will come after him. And so today we will hear the story of God's first call to the prophet Samuel. Samuel, who kind of occupies an interesting gap in the people of Israel's history, the space in between the judges, who are kind of military leaders who rise up for a season, and when we get to the kind of division of kings and prophets. So King David will be the sign of that. As a young boy, Samuel serves in the temple under his mentor Eli. They are so devoted to God that they sleep close to the Holy of Holies. And it turns out, just within earshot of each other, and maybe someone else. So listen.
1: Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of, the, of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again. Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I, I did not call my call you, my son. Lie down again. Then Samuel did not So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord.
0: I just suddenly was like seized by the question of, like, is maybe God calling me instead of grace? Or is grace calling? I don't know. It got complicated in there, but there's a lot of getting up in the middle of the night in my life these days. And so I had sympathy for Samuel and for Eli as they were playing their way through this story. There was calling. Maybe you've never thought of yourself as someone who has a vocation or a calling, but you do. Somehow we started limiting vocation to clergy and HVAC and automotive repair somehow, and I don't think that serves us well. It is for everyone. There are calls to public service, to professions, to family. There are calls in all sorts of places. Even if it's just in the bounds of this place that tends to use the word vocation more than other settings, you have a calling. But I suspect that it's in other parts of your lives too. Here in this church, we believe this, right? It's on almost everything that comes through the doors for us is printed with three things. We are people striving to connect with God nurture community, and discover our callings. Here it is a dance, it's kind of a weaving that we call Trinity, mysteriously. We seek to connect with and deepen our connection with God, and here we nurture community, that belonging relationship in which we know Christ together, and those two directions that I just made, you know, were not by accident. Because when those two things intersect, to God and to the other, There's something that draws us out of ourselves and out those doors to serve and to care for other people. We hear it when we hear people who are different than us, and we hear it in the sound of sheer silence when we are walking. Eli did not actually call Samuel into his prophetic life in this story today. It was Samuel's mother, Hannah who promised God that she would share the son she desperately wanted with God and with God's people. She rejoiced at his coming, so much so that her song that she sings is actually the precursor to the song that Mary will sing as she waits for Jesus. Having so lovingly longed for Samuel to be she has then gone ahead and dropped him off to serve God and God's people, thankful simply that he exists. And I can't imagine, nor can you, I think, what that would feel like, I wonder. Nonetheless, Samuel does seem to have taken to the role of serving the Lord under Eli. There is some relationship there. There is some Desire to be in connection. Throughout this story, there's this sense of commitment and energy. In the, it's kind of a farcical story, right? Lots of people going in the wrong door and lots of repetition. Every time God calls on Samuel from just down the hall, Samuel opens the wrong door and runs to answer Eli, very excited and you know diligent, trying to serve. And because humor is about repetition, we have to do it three times before eventually Eli wises up and tells Samuel to start listening differently. It's a little goofy, but I think it is also supremely true, something that is pointed to in this story, that figuring out the true source of a call is sometimes harder than we give it credit. Because... If you can think of a call that has been placed on your life, you can probably think of someone who is deeply involved in that call. A wise mentor or elder, family member, teacher. Probably, if we are honest, many of us have gotten caught up in the humans who helped shape us for community, for work, or for service. And so we have here in this little parable of Samuel and Eli, the whole life cycle of, I think, this hard thing about the people involved in our callings, compressed. We love to be of service through the ones who teach us and call us. We receive a calling through that service. We discover that that call may be coming not simply from our mentors, but something outside of them. And indeed, we discover that our mentors may no, will be flawed or limited or mortal. We may even be called to deliver that news to them. And hopefully, in the end, all integrate that knowledge that the call on our lives is bigger than any one person. And we can even live with grace for the limitations of those who have gone before us. So as you think about the ones that might have been involved in various callings in your life, whether it just be calling to belong in your family in particular ways, callings to professions, to particular service, you've probably had to struggle with the fact that they may not be perfect, fully formed, ideal humans and you may still deeply care for and respect them, and so the temptation to please them and to serve them and to long for affirmation from them sometimes comes into tension with the call itself. Samuel is right there with us. He runs to Eli's side, longing to serve, and eventually it will be Eli who will have to say, not me, the Lord. Listen To the Lord. And well, slightly excerpted from today's scripture is what the Lord has to say to Samuel, and it is not good news for Eli. Turns out Eli's sons have been corrupt and have abused the power of their family. And so God tells Samuel that Eli's family will be entirely cut off. And Samuel dreads to deliver the news as all of us might. Too often we struggle with the imperfection of our heroes and we are tempted to follow or protect them and to turn from, that, from the call that God's justice and God's peace might place on us instead. It is a new year, so we have now officially turned the corner into an election year. And so I am a little bit dreading the delicate balance of being an informed citizen and hopefully a not overly anxious husband, father, and friend, and even more hopefully a faithful pastor. So today I will just gently step out onto a limb and say that as Christians, we should always be alert when a leader seems to be asking us to follow them and to swear our allegiance to them rather than to our deepest values to the holy and divine work of building up and rejoicing in mutual care and dignity for all people and all creation. There is no one leader who will be able to incorporate all that, by the way. That's why the listening never stops. We are always in the discernment of which way the voice is calling. This Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, I wonder if the opposite is true as well. Many of us know the ways in which the powers, that be, the powers that were that opposed Dr. King's living work sought to undermine it by pointing out his personal flaws and failings. I am thankful that though that gambit was in heavy play in the old days, it has largely failed and faded from use. These days, I wonder if those powers learned a frightening lesson instead, that they would have greater success relying on the sainted picture of Dr. King that would come after his death to halt the movement that he gave his life for. A pastor that I read sometimes named Steve Garness Holmes wrote this week, the trouble with heroes is that we wait for them. Yet what Martin was saying the whole time was, you can do this. We all do it together. Don't wait for me or the next one. We are all marching I Think the temptation has been to say, we have a blessed leader, saint, and so the call has gone out. It is just as tempting a picture as the flawed leader. Both invite us to sit back, to be paralyzed, rather than to continue the work of always listening, always discerning a way forward. The call we give thanks for today, a call for more perfect union, for a dawning of greater compassion from one person to the next, one community to the next, one race to the next, the call to help something ever closer to God's justice, God's dream from our world, did not come from Dr. King. It came through brilliantly, more clearly, more refined than it might otherwise have come. Yeah, probably. But it came from God, from Christ, the resurrected one, and so it has not and never could stop. And so we commit ourselves to listening for where it will lead us, even when it leads us into uncharted territory. I do not know where Dr. King would place himself in the current struggles for liberation. There have been plenty who have failed along the ways, who have struggled for liberation for their race, but struggled when encountering the oppression and the injustice that sometimes falls to LGBTQ folk. Or maybe he would have been right there marching too, but I think maybe the challenge for us would have been to learn that the movement continues Because no one man, no one person can ever keep it going forever. We are tempted to hear callings in our life and go rushing to our heroes, even when they are no longer with us. But that is not the voice that is speaking. It is Christ. And so we seek to be part of that flow of justice, of hope, of compassion and care, knowing that none of us is the end. And then just to say, if, you know, anybody in this room ever finds themselves in the position of being some sort of elder. Glad you're coming with me on that. Some of you are going to be young forever, it seems like. (laughs) If we find ourselves as mentors and elders in the world, our calling shifts to help those who will come after us to listen differently. To build movements and communities that are not hemmed in by our own vision or values, lives or limitations, but can go beyond ourselves. Indeed, Samuel runs to Eli's side and delivers the bad news and Eli said, it is the Lord. He will do what is right. As Samuel, we listen, even when we take a wrong turn here and there, even if it takes you getting up three times in the middle of the night. For whatever reason, you might get up in the middle of the night. Trusting that God will call us to the revelation of Christ's love, to the work we are called to do. And when we listen and when we speak this true word of love, none of our
1: words will fall to the ground. Amen.